What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibbs. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. Before we get any further into today's episode, I would like you to go over to iTunes or wherever you get this podcast and leave us a rating and review. It helps the show to grow up on the charts as well as continue to tell the SID story. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Infocast and sign up for our newsletter at sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. Now, let's get into today's conversation. And welcome back. Hopefully you did not forget about us. I did not forget about you. Um, I will wholeheartedly go through everything that has been going on over the past couple of uh, couple of weeks for me and why this show has been so so far behind. Um, other than just had to take a break, there's a, there's a, a little bit more to that. Um, so I appreciate everybody listening. We have had a, actually a great number of episodes uh, being listened to, a great number of downloads through the month of June. So not only that, I think that this was a great time for a lot of people to catch up on some episodes. So uh, I'll have to go back in the specific analytics to see what you guys have been listening to. So because I, I think that's really, really, really interesting and uh, kind of proves that there really is a, a, a fan base, I guess, for this show and a, and a need and a niche for this show, which is really, really cool thing to see. Uh, obviously, as you can tell by the title, today we have Patrick Walsh from the UALR uh, Trojans. That's University of Arkansas at Little Rock. He's been just about everywhere. Uh, started, grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. Went to South Carolina for their sport management program. Uh, and then bounced around from Louisiana Tech to Mercer, Indiana State, all Newberry. All, you know, you name it. Uh, Basically, that's where he's been at. So we'll, we'll kind of obviously go through, kind of glaze over his journey a little bit. Um, this one was a little bit more uh, of a personal thing that, that we both wanted to talk about. Um, and speaking of, per- of personal, uh, Patrick, and I, and I wholeheartedly agree, we will talk about the topic of cancer uh, in this episode. So he would like to dedicate this episode, as would I, to Nancy Lipset. Uh, a family member of his that passed away on the day of recording, the morning uh, that we were recording, basically. Um, absolutely, we'll keep this in the show notes and everything like that, but uh, just wanted to put her name out there uh, as well. So, um, yeah, there, there's a lot more to this. We will obviously talk about this, including community service. If you didn't know already, Patrick Walsh already uh, has a community service award. So you have that about him. Nice little other little tidbit, and and I wanted to talk about this, you know, uh, in the episode. I I think it's funny when people uh, always talk about their first jobs, and and my uncle is here in town now, so he and my dad were talking about their first jobs when they were working at a sub shop. My dad was uh, in third grade. (laughs) I was 18 when I had mine. But Patrick's first ever job was driving a Zamboni, which is I I think is an absolutely hilarious thing that you you be able to do. I always go back to that Deadpool scene to where he's about to drive over the guy on the Zamboni, and that's the immediate thing I think about, and I, I kind of chuckle a little bit. So um, just a couple of quick things I wanted to get out of the way. There's a lot of mentions in the end of the show, and if you're listening for the specific apparel uh, that Patrick wears, you will have to stick around for the end of the show, which I think is an absolute um, good thing for me, obviously, to keep people around because I see the analytics. I know when you guys stop listening. Uh, I appreciate you listening to the first half of the episode, guys, but come on, you got to stick around for the, for the second half. So, Speaking of sticking around, like I mentioned, um, I would get to the topic of where the hell has David been. Uh, basically, when everything got shut down, we were kind of going at it a little bit. You know, we've had a couple episodes just talking about uh, the effects on, on college athletics and everything, uh, effects on SIDs in general. Um, that got very hard for me. Uh, mainly because my time at Indiana is over. Uh, I no longer work for the Indiana Hoosiers. I uh, have been a free agent and currently still a free agent in sports information um, for a little while now. Uh, I'll full transparency with you guys was a finalist for a job and I did not get it. Um, that uh, absolutely uh, derailed me there for, for, I don't know, a few days. And the worldly events happened. And uh, I just didn't feel like 
it was appropriate to keep promoting a podcast uh, during that time to where the world was kind of figuring itself out. This was also a time to where I was figuring out what the world was, was going to do and what was happening. So um, that being said, uh, all that happened. Um, I know I just kind of went over that a little bit, David's threat. Um, but then uh, I needed to move my stuff out of Bloomington into a place where I wouldn't get robbed. Uh, it had currently, a lot of my stuff had currently been sitting in my apartment in Bloomington empty for a while, uh, basically ever since March. So I needed to go find a place to where, um, it it wouldn't get stolen basically. And now it's in three different houses across the state of Indiana, which requires an insane amount of coordination. Let me mind you. So we've been doing that. So, um, yeah. And then we, uh, got, finally got some free time. We got some guests scheduled. I will be on vacation next week. So things are starting to look very, very good. Has some great conversations with some great people. Uh, both in the podcast and out of the podcast. So uh, good things are, are, are on the way. And I believe that just for like, like you and for everybody else and for me, um, it, it, it won't last forever. So just keep that in mind as we, we go through this podcast and we'll obviously this episode in particular uh, about tough times and things like that. So we will start off episode 158 of SID cast with Patrick Walsh of the UALR Trojans. And uh, we started off pretty different and topic about uh, two guys getting married right here on SID Cast. Do y'all have a wedding date set? We do, October 2022. Okay. We, I, I'm engaged and was supposed to get married uh, July 12th of this year, and that has been postponed to a TBD. Yeah, tell, well, hell, let's just start with that. I mean, what's that like just kind of postponing that? Because we're having to deal with that too, because we, when we found a venue, um, we thought about 2021 hard for a little bit. And then with everything happening now, we had to push it back a year because a lot of brides and, and grooms now were just like having to shift it back to next year. So what was that process like for you? It, well, you know, for for both me and my my fiance, uh, it's our second wedding. So it was not as big of a ordeal. In fact, uh-huh. we didn't want it to be an ordeal. We were just going to elope um, as a part of her family vacation uh, to Aspen, Colorado. So it was just going to be myself and her uh hopefully mm. her uh her family <laughs> and then we were going to fly my parents out and that was going to be it it was going to be a very low uh, low-key event and uh, uh so it, it was not like we had to do a whole lot of stuff in order to plan and or postpone but mm-hmm. the the big deal is her parents are in their 60s and deal with her grandparents who are in their 90s my parents mm-hmm. are in their 60s and 70s and deal with uh, my grandmother, who's in her, who's now 90, turned 90 this week. And so just with everything that this pandemic has kind of shown us with uh, those that are elderly, we didn't want to take the risk. And a lot of things in Aspen are closed down. So we, uh, we decided to postpone to a later date. Uh, we were going to get married July 12th, 2020. Uh, that's a Sunday. And I believe that's mostly because she would not let me get married on 7-Eleven and have Slurpees at the wedding. <laughs> That's a, such a, and you're like, damn it. <laughs> I was really hoping <laughs> for that. You talk about the elderly. Cause like, uh, again, everybody was saying you have to take care of everybody. My grandma was 93. Mm-hmm. So like we, we couldn't barely do anything. Well, she was mad that she couldn't do anything. Right. I mean, you do not. And I'm sure you know, this, you, t- you do not tell those women what to do. Yeah, uh, and she, what she was doing is she and like two other women, and her uh, and her like assisted living, mm-hmm. they were like sneaking out and like hanging out together just <laughs> everywhere. And I thought that that was crazy at ninety three years old that 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 she is sitting there. She's like, I could die, but you know what? Let's uh, let's go out. Let's let's have some fun with two other people. I thought that was funny. My grandmother is ninety, and uh, she is uh, a force to be reckoned with at five foot. <laughs> she yeah, is my, yeah. truly the strongest force in the room uh and we can get into this uh if we can dabble in you know some some volunteer work i'll i'll tell a story of how my grandmother uh has made a life out of volunteerism uh mm-hmm. and 
was on the board of directors for uh, uh, the Florida Blue Cross Blue Shield organization, which is a massive organization. And she stands yeah. about five foot two and um, currently 90 years old. So powerful a woman uh, in just nature and sheer will that in a boardroom full of powerful men, quote unquote, she could literally silence a room with a look. Mm-hmm. Uh, an amazing woman. She's currently, uh, and she's in a, in a uh, semi-assisted facility, uh, living facility in, in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, currently up in, in Virginia. I actually just saw her last week because I went up to Virginia. Uh, we had a, uh, a family emergency. Uh, Anna mine uh, succumbed to breast cancer, second round of it. Um, actually just passed away this morning. Uh, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Very sad and, and all that. Um, that that was uh, that was that's been tough. Uh, but yeah, she is a uh, she's a, 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 a my grandma is a truly force, and and my aunt took after her in, in personality wise and just sheer strength in in in, that, in regards to that. Yeah, that, there's if there's one thing in this life that I want, it's presence, and then just the way that you carry yourself, and that's and that's like the whole thing that I try to do. Cause I do, I do many things on the side, you know, um, I research many different things. Uh, I read books, I listen to podcasts and things like that. One thing I always try to do is read about how, like how to carry yourself a little bit better. Um, not only that, just, just to, just to feel good when you walk in a room, right. And to own the room. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I completely understand that, but I, yeah, let's talk about volunteering a little bit. Um, just for, just for, um, how was how was her volunteer work influenced you in any way, shape, or form, and maybe influenced your family, especially when you're in a career field that you might not get a whole lot of time to do any volunteer work? You know, it's just something you see. You mm-hmm. anytime I looked around, she was doing something. Uh, she 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 can't be kept in in her apartment condo during a pandemic. She's gonna get out we've been trying save the world yeah we've been we've been uh gosh our family's been like searching for uh puzzles she hasn't done and books she hasn't read and uh i think she goes walking on the grounds and and she does that and and gets out but she's uh she can't sit still and uh but you grow up seeing her essentially constantly doing something you know, and, and she instilled those uh, values of, of service and volunteerism into her three daughters. And um, through her and through my mother, that has come down to me and always want to uh, help others. Uh, you get, mm-hmm. I just feel it's, it's just a sense of, of duty that you have to give back to your community in any sh- way, shape or form. Um, it's not required. It's not uh, there's no monetary gain to it. In fact, I've spent countless hours and and even my money in helping others. But I I just it's just a sense of it's something at my core and my beliefs that you should do. And uh, service to others is uh, is required. It started that started with me even in middle school and high school. I was involved in uh, YMCA programs. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually a state YMCA. I grew up in Mobile, Kentucky. It was a state YMCA, and so we uh, uh, it was a called Youth in Government, and so it kind of makes you more civic minded, more uh, at least in terms of knowing topics politically active, not necessarily, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, out I know there what you're trying campaigning, to say, yeah. but you're you're at least more aware of things. And since it's a was run by the YMCA, there's obviously a service component to it. And uh, so I was, I felt like I was already doing service activities um, growing up. Uh, But it's not like, Oh, I've got to go do this community service thing. It's, Hey, I'm going to go do this and help someone out. And yeah, uh, it's like you get to do something. Yeah. As opposed to you have to do something. Exactly. And, and so I've used in, in my life, I've used, tried to be involved in areas that things that I know, so when mm-hmm. I lived in Louisiana, uh, I helped co-found a group called Wigan Out, and it's still active today and doing great. And um, uh, it's intended for cancer patients. It started with breast cancer, but really all cancer. Uh, they'd go out and they raise money in order to find a cancer patient and buy them a wig. 
because when you're going through chemo and radiation, you lose your hair and it's uh, a strength comes to your appearance, comes from your appearance. And we all have a little bit of vanity in ourselves. And so to be able to go out and provide them with a little bit of inner strength and pride and, and who they are by means of how they look, uh, you know, that, that means the world and wigs are expensive, uh, a couple hundred bucks mm-hmm. a wig. Uh, so to be able to provide, I mean, literally I, I, I'd go a couple times with some people that would either give them a gift certificate or a check to go purchase a wig. There's always a gift certificate or a gift card, I think. Uh, and literally they would just break down crying. So happy, so thankful for that gift. Uh, I'm, can be an awkward fella so that was always an awkward moment for me because i'm like i don't know what to do now but, you know what to do, yeah. <laughs> but it it also felt felt so good in your heart and and uh, uh those types of things would make it all worth it yeah I, my mom had cancer when i was in junior high and i shaved my head too so you'll see like if, if you look up david gibson madison indiana um there's probably a picture of me running track or cross country with a shaved head. Uh, one thing that I, I really appreciated was that like, obviously like people that haven't been through that, like you don't have any strength, you know, like we had to help her up the stairs, mm-hmm. um, especially to cook. So um, a lot of people, a lot, cause she's a teacher, a lot of other teachers would come, come by and they would drop off food. And, I, and not only was it good, but like, it was just like, so grateful to people to to actually do that and it was just a small thing i mean like she didn't wear she didn't wear a wig or anything but i'm sure people would highly be interested in that obviously so um yeah any little thing any little thing helps so how do people get started with things like this i mean i I myself i i did mission trips growing up i mean for somebody that's maybe never done anything like that how how do you think that they could get started you know i think should start small don't try to bite off more than you need to. Don't, don't think you're going to go out and do massive amounts of service hours or this, that, or the other. Start small. Look around Look around your neighborhood. Look around the people mm-hmm. you surround yourself with. What is needed? Then go out and fix it or provide it. And don't proclaim, hey, I did this. Don't mm-hmm. make a banner saying whatever. You know, um, I, I don't know exact chapter and verse but the bible tells us to it's the same way about praying pray quietly and don't proclaim it same with mm-hmm. community service volunteerism help others there's no need to okay. proclaim it uh, uh there's no need to go shout it hey i just did this hey i just did that uh it's important to go out and do the small things in your neighborhood around your school uh around with people that you you know or even don't know just that you're near and just help them out. One little, we used to call them racks growing up, uh, random act of kindness. That's all you need to do. That's how it starts. Challenge everyone. Okay. How can you perform one random act of kindness this week? Check that off Perfect. your list and then do that for a couple of weeks. And then the next week or the next month, try and do two random acts of kindness a week. If you can get up to one a day, then you're living large because it just takes one little moment to truly affect someone's life in a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of, of affecting people in a positive way, we're SIDs, by the way. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about how you got started. Like you said, you're in Louisville, Kentucky, not very far away from me right now. So um, when you went to college, uh, you went to South Carolina. We've had many South Carolina Clemson grads on this podcast. So how did you get there? And um, I know that they've got some sport management programs. So uh, how did you get involved in sports information to begin with? Yeah. Uh, So I knew I wanted to go to South Carolina because I knew I wanted to work in sports. Uh, My father uh, used to work for a business fraternity, Delta Sigma Pi. And he was a chapter consultant, which means he would go around to all the different chapters of this this business fraternity and uh so he'd seen i mean probably more campuses in his life than i've even seen in mine and i've been at a ton of campuses traveling with our teams but anyway so we researched sport management programs and my junior year of high school we went on a big trip down the east coast to just look at schools 
get a sense mm-hmm. of the campus, get a sense of the school, get a sense of the of the programs. Go to Duke, North Carolina, Chapel Hill, NC State, uh, University of Georgia, and we go to the University of South Carolina. Tour the campus, and it is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, meet with the program head of the sport management uh, program there. And he absolutely blew us both away in his presentation. Uh, it's a very business-focused, centered program. It's, mm-hmm. It has its – essentially, it has its own school in the College of Hospitality, Retail, and Sport Management. Uh, so it's not – it doesn't come with – and I'm not knocking any other program, but it doesn't come with uh, the uh, quote-unquote tag of being in a kinesiology department. It's not about being a coach. Uh, to be in athletics administration on any level, whether it be in sports information or marketing or tickets or whatever it may be, it's a business. It has to function as a business to be successful because if you hemorrhage money year in, year out, you cannot survive. Uh, yeah. And I won't go into the details of all that, but basically I go go to South Carolina and I absolutely fall in love with it, fall in love with the program, fall in love with the people, fall in love with the campus. It is my place. I just knew it. We sat down as a uh, family and, and wanted to decide, all right, well, let's discuss the pros. My mom wanted to discuss the pros and cons. I'm like, I just want to go to South Carolina. I'm good. You're like, I don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> and That's so uh, at that time, we were living in Louisville, Kentucky, and she uh, she worked at a bank, Republic Bank in Kentucky. And uh, uh, she's a very personal person. I think both my parents are, and I think I get that from them. And uh, she would talk, and like every mother does, she would talk about how, oh, she's so proud of her son, got accepted to South Carolina, and going to the sport management program there. And one of the customers of the bank said, oh, I, I have a son that works in the athletic department at South Carolina. And uh, so long story short, they connected us, and that son of that gentleman was – uh, Carrie Tharp, who at the time was the assistant uh, AD for sports information. And that set me up to work. I was working in the SID office as a student assistant before classes even started my freshman year at South Carolina. Four years of that, fell in love with that. Why not just keep going? And uh, honestly, I fell in love with the profession there and I've been doing it ever since. And I, it's very tough for me to imagine me to uh, imagine myself doing something different. It's kind of funny how things work out like that. I think <laughs> it really and, does. You don't expect those things to happen. One little uh, thing my mom said to a random person ended up turning into a career choice for me. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so yeah, what were, what were some things that like you? Because had you ever heard of this profession before when you sat down before classes even started? And you're like, all right, let's start this job that I have no idea what I am doing. I had no idea I was doing when I quote unquote did an interview with Kerry Tharp about what he even did. But it was, this is a way into athletics. And even if I didn't want to do sports information, it's a way into athletics and to build a network. And my dad was very big on that. Yeah. Telling me how, how important that is. And uh, now I ended up enjoying it and finding a, uh, a creative outlet for myself in certain ways. And being somewhat good at it, I'm still employed, so I guess I'm somewhat good at it. Uh, so <laughs> uh, that it it just kind of it was kismet. It, it was meant to be. It just led me down the path, and uh, I've really enjoyed uh, everything. There's so much about this 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 profession that I enjoy. So it was time to leave South Carolina. Uh, obviously, you only have a certain time there, but um, moving forward from that, I. I, th- I believe you went to Newberry. Am I correct in saying that? So I graduated from South Carolina and uh, I kind of graduated actually. So South Carolina, their program, they make you do a semester long internship, no other classes, yeah. but it's a, it's a class in itself. It's a six hour credit course and you have to write a long-term paper, a research paper about it. But basically you have to do an internship. You have to go spend a semester somewhere working before you can graduate from this program. Because they know as much as anyone that it's about experience and it's not just about what you learn in the classroom. We all know you barely, the things you learn in the classroom rarely translate to reality. Uh, uh-huh. uh, and so it was about getting experience. So I got a year long internship at Newberry College and everyone knows those type of, you know, $1,000 a month. And it was 
I was one of three interns there at this Division II school in a place that even though I'd spent four years in Columbia, 45 minutes away, I'd never heard of. Uh, but, uh, you know, applied, interviewed, got the, got the gig. At the, uh, so it served a dual purpose, one, having an internship, and two, fulfilling, at least for that fall semester, my internship requirements to graduate. So I actually graduated that December. Um, but, you know, I kind of just grabbed onto that opportunity and uh, coming out of college, applying for jobs is the worst thing ever because you get mm -hmm. rejected more times than you can count. And uh, uh, you keep at it until you find the right fit. Uh, I kept at it until someone took a chance on me and, and told me yes. And I jumped at that opportunity and uh I enjoyed my time there. I spent about seven months there, I guess, uh, because, and it worked out for me because by February, I had been offered a full-time job at the Citadel down in Charleston. And uh, it, was a, it was a great opportunity to work at the Division One level. It was a full-time job that comes with benefits and more money and, and all that. Although living in Charleston, it's not that much more money because that's an expensive city. But it is yeah, also my my hands down my favorite city um so i got an opportunity to go work at uh at the citadel and in very very unique environment as a, as a military college yeah you, you can't just leave it at that what what's the environment like because there because you only get like there's very few people get to work in an environment like that because how many you got you got army you got navy you got air force you got the citadel you got vmi there's coast the, guard are they division three uh, yeah. And there's, there's a couple other small division three ones, but basically that's, that's it on the divisional level. There's only the five. Um, yeah. you know, a lot of people ask, is it really different there? And here's, here's the most amazing difference. If you set an interview time or an appointment with a kid, they show up five minutes early because they are literally yeah. trained that way with the military. Um, they'll work their butts off for you. If you have student assistance, um, they'll always take a chance to grab a nap because they have to get up at 6 a.m. with Revelry and, uh, and, and their military schedule, but uh, always incredibly respectful, always uh, on time, if not early. Uh, you know, there comes a little bit of a trade-off in the athletics department. Uh, most military colleges aren't known for the best athletics, though the baseball program there has always been phenomenal. Um, basketball, as Pat Conroy has detailed in his book a little less phenomenal in, in my losing season. Uh, uh, but uh, it was a very, very unique environment and, and a gorgeous campus right on the banks of the Ashley River in Charleston, which is one of the most beautiful cities you could ever visit. Awesome. Um, you've moved around to quite a few places, even around the South and then back up here in the Midwest. Um, I, I guess my I got a couple of questions as far as that's concerned. One, what was your goal at each, each stop? I mean, were you trying, how were you trying to advance your career in any sort of way at each place you went? Yeah. You know, I think everyone's trying to advance their career. And when you're young, you're trying to reach a certain level or status. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, just like everyone else, I, I was trying to do that too and trying to advance my career. And as I've, grown older it's it's it is about that but i also think it's more about finding uh two things finding the right fit and finding a good challenge because we all we all want to be in a good positive situation and we sometimes you end up in a spot that's not a positive situation and you learn from that and you move on and the lessons i learned from those types of things have been invaluable in my career and in my life at the same time you also want to find uh, a place that will challenge you and challenge you for the better. And uh, because this is a job that brings a unique challenge every day, but at the same time can also get very repetitive. And if you know nothing about the field of sports information, communications, whatever you want to call it, um, that makes no sense that there's new challenges every day and yet it's incredibly repetitive. But anyone listening to this that is in our profession is like, yep, that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, and so, but you want to be, you want to be mentally stimulated. You want to be challenged. Um, some of that uh, 
some of that is as important or not more important than salary or job title or uh, sports you work with. Um, because you want, I think everyone deep down wants that challenge. They want to be challenged. They want to be stimulated. They don't want to just do the same thing day in, day out. And mm-hmm. so that's important. Um, I found some very unique challenges throughout my career. Uh, I'm in a place now that offers a lot of different challenges. Uh, since I've arrived here, we've had a lot of turnover, a lot of change, and that's brought new challenges. Um, um, my last move, which is to Little Rock from Indiana State, uh, was part personal, part professional. I, I was targeting a job in the state of Arkansas as my then girlfriend, now fiance, lives here in Little Rock. She's in pharmacy school here. So um, that brought about another reason to make a move there's a million reasons why people why people make certain decisions and certain moves and um you know we all have those in our hearts and our minds and we make the best decisions for us and uh the amount of support i've gotten and the various moves i've made has been throughout my career has been phenomenal for my friends and for my colleagues what's it like moving around from place to place i mean what kind of mentality do you think you have to have for that you have to be, in a sense, I think you have to be mentally and emotionally strong or at least have some type of confidence in yourself. Because when you make moves to different parts of the country, uh, you know, you're, you're going someplace where you don't know anybody in all likelihood. And so there's a bit of a, uh, you know, there's, there's a, uh, trying to think of the word I want to say here it's uh uh you're trying to acclimate yourself to these new Mm -hmm. surroundings and and new people some areas they're incredibly outgoing and happy to help that acclimation period and sometimes you're in areas that it's not quite the standard I can't imagine starting a new job in a new city or state right now in the middle of this pandemic where that social acclimation is virtually non-existent that would be very Mm -hmm. tough but it's also tough whether the pandemic was going on or not there's going to be times where it's just you in your apartment wondering what the heck do i do today because i don't really know anybody i haven't made a ton of friends yet um i just moved here i'm an sid so i'm probably broke and uh you're trying to i'm gonna censor that out kidding (laughs) uh you're trying to to just again just acclimate yourself to a new situation uh so you have to uh you know you have to be a little bit emotionally and uh socially mentally strong uh to make those moves because they are scary at times and uh rely upon the reasons of why you're in that position you know this is going to be a great job it's going to be better for my career i will meet people I will find a social life that will be completely ruined by crossover overlap season, but I will still attempt to have a social life. And um, the one thing I tell you what, that has been really, really beneficial to me as I've gone from place to place is I've always tried to maintain relationships. And in this field, especially being in the field, you have to do that. Some of my best friends are SIDs that I've never worked with or worked across the court from as in, you know, maybe some of them have been in the same conference, but most of them, my best friends, I've never come across. I met at a COSIDA or I met through a friend who knew someone who knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy. And that's how we met and somehow ended up the best of friends. And uh, it's those relationships that, that sustain you in, in moving to a new job and hitting a rut and facing different challenges in life. And those are the relationships you want the people you reach out to and you want to celebrate getting that new job, receiving a promotion, receiving an award, whatever it may be. I I read a quote in one of my favorite books, Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. And you talk about getting challenged and everything throughout this, this, this interview. Um, And this applies, I feel like, to everybody, but you have to twist it a little bit, what I'm going to say. He said, at the heart of every man, there lies a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. 
So like everybody wants to be challenged, just like you said. And again, I am a person right now, and I'll probably say this in the intro as to where the hell I've been, but right now it's really difficult finding a job. I will tell you what, because <laughs> yeah. there's nothing. And I'm living at my parents' house. All my stuff is in three different houses across the state of Indiana, trying to get married. It's rough, but it doesn't mean that you just shut down, you know, like you're going to get through all this. It, it, it's mm -hmm. not going to last forever. As we've seen Americans, we, we apparently have decided that the coronavirus is over. So uh, that that's good, I guess. But again, the, the, phys the emotional and mental toughness, especially during these times is absolutely, if you're, if you don't have it, if you didn't have it before, you definitely have it now. Don't you think? Absolutely. It's, yeah. you know, it's, this is, uh, this pandemic has really challenged all of us, uh, mentally, emotionally, uh, some of us spiritually, I'm sure. And, uh, when you're, let's go in the case of applying for a job, uh, when you're doing that, you're going to get so much more negative than positive. Cause if you apply for a hundred jobs, you're going to get 90 to 95 no's or not even that, a no response. And then you're going to get five to 10 interviews. And you've got to use, you've got to focus on that 10, five to 10%. And it's really, really difficult to get lost in the weeds and to get four or five rejections in a row and be like, what the heck? I know I'm, mm -hmm. I know I'm qualified. I know I'm this i know i'm that i should be there they're stupid for not hiring me i've thought that yeah. about several places I'm not going to name them but i thought about that about <laughs> several places and it's good and it's okay to allow yourself a little bit of that release give mm -hmm. yourself that just vent or emotional wallow or whatever it may be whatever you need to get it out of your system but the worst thing you can do is dwell on that because yeah. as much as you'll get 90, 90% rejection in your mind, you got to have 90% positivity. If you don't, that you will live in the rejection and it yeah. will exponentially grow in front of you and you will not be able to get out. Yeah. It's also, you also have to be careful of, cause you're, you're right. You have to allow yourself to be able to feel emotions sometimes. Right. Yep. Because if you don't, you're living, you're, you're bundling yourself up in an iron box and then you're heating it up and, and you're going to, it's going to explode. So, but you also have to be careful during this time to not, when you find out who they hire, this is something I've never had to deal with before up until this, this summer. When you find out who they hired instead of you, you have to not make cognitive conclusions about the person. I'm, I made a piss poor choice maybe for a day of thinking, well, this person probably did this. This is how they got hired. This is why I didn't get hired. My mind was racing a million miles an hour. And that was the completely wrong thing to do. And that's a step that you need to, you can let yourself be pissed. You can be mad all you want, but you cannot make assumptions about the situation or about the other person that I have won. Absolutely. I've, I've fallen into that trap a couple of times. And, mm -hmm. you know, the one thing I found is it's really, really, really hard to get your mind out of that spot for that person in that location. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's just, it's like quicksand and you slip into it and you try and fight out and you're just, ah, you're angry. And, uh, mm -hmm. the more it just sinks you in even more and you've got to take a deep breath realize it's not for you and then find those positives and use your social network. My, yeah. I got a group of friends. It's just a basic group of people that are SIDs and they are my rock. Uh, I have a fiance who is my rock. Uh, but those people, and I've got some good friends that are outside this profession that are, are phenomenal friends and, and resources and, and, and my rock. And they, they often keep me grounded and, uh, but they're always there to pick me up when I get into that, that, that mental, emotional rut, uh, but you cannot wallow on that. You've got to stay mm -hmm. away from that. And 
it's sometimes it's it's easier said than done, but you got to take the high road uh, a lot, uh, especially verbally with people because this is a this is a small small world uh, made even smaller uh, by networking, and so you've got to. It, gosh, it's so darn tough. But you've got to you got to take the high road. You got to stay positive, and you can't wallow in things you don't have because you can't change. One of the things I like to tell people all the time. And, and tell myself is you got to control the controllable. You can't waste your energy on things you cannot control. I, a lot of times, times I tell my fiance that when she's upset and uh, I can control, get myself out of her sight when I say that, because sometimes that's not what she wants to hear. She wants <laughs> no, it to is not. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's so important to take that to heart. You've got to only focus and control the controllable because otherwise those situations, those moments, those facets, those people, they're living rent free in your brain and there's no reason to allow that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is great stuff. Um, I do want to uh, talk to you about um, some fun questions I like to ask. Yeah. Just to kind of change up the, the, the topic a little bit. How does that sound? Let's go. So um, first question I have for you, um, again, we kind of, we really just kind of skimmed over your, your whole tenure here, but um, favorite memory in your professional tenure that you have? Oh, gosh. Favorite memory. Um, you know, there's so many, but I think, oh, gosh. If you got more than one, you I'll go toss for a, it. I'll toss a couple out at you. Um, okay. One of them being uh, nominating, putting together nomination materials, nominating a, a very, very remarkable young lady when I was at Louisiana Tech for the uh, uh, Honda Courage Award. Uh, her mm. name's Antoinette Cobb, and she actually uh, battled colon cancer and uh came back to the track and set school records after beating cancer uh which is unbelievable for someone who is 18 years old and to tell her story uh is is as remarkable i think you know telling telling stories let me digress a bit you know the one thing that i truly love in this profession is, is finding that nugget and expanding it to tell a personal story. It's so easy to write a game recap. It's so easy to write a game preview. It's so easy to throw together some game notes or some build a graphic. But what really, really find, I find enjoyment in is finding those off the court, off the field, personal stories and telling them. Got to tell a story of a guy named Thomas Graham who's – was uh, he's out of the sports business now, but was an academic advisor and a former football GA. At the time, he was a football GA at Louisiana Tech, and um, got to tell his story of how his daughter was born and how she had heart issues and immediately had to go to the hospital and spent, you know, literally months in the hospital. And they had uh, so many issues and so many times where they didn't know if she would make it. Um, but to tell his story and how they became stronger as a family. And, uh, he, and he's just the nicest guy in the world. Uh, wouldn't say a bad thing about anybody. And I don't think anyone could say a bad thing about him. Um, telling the story of a young lady, Indiana state, Ashley Taya, who lost her father to cancer. And, uh, uh, he died while she was still playing at Indiana state. And, uh, that was very, very tough for her. And, uh, she came back and, uh, just telling her story of how they kind of, she would try and communicate with her family from literally a world away, Terre Haute, Indiana to Australia. Uh, those types of things make this job. Building those relationships, getting to know those kids and telling their stories absolutely makes this job 100 times out of 100. And you will not find a better thing to do in this field than to tell those stories and liven and bring that story to life whether in a graphic, in a video, in a story. I really love the long-form feature stories to be able to kind of build those stories up and truly delve into the layers of the person or the family or their situation. 
Go ahead. Well, and, and you know, the only thing I was going to say is that those moments are my favorite moments is when those stories get released and you see people's reactions to those stories and to truly understand a better part of those student athletes. That's, that's the good stuff right there. Awesome. But well, what about the bad stuff? You have any uh, horror stories <laughs> at all? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, there's the tragic stories. Uh, had two student athletes, unfortunately, uh, pass away while I was at Louisiana Tech. Uh-huh. Those are incredibly tough. Um, we had a crisis situation that involved a uh, bull bid uh, one year that was probably the most challenging week of my life. Um, uh, and then there's the absolutely absurd stories that are really kind of funny when you look back on it, but at the time they were just ridiculous and you're pulling your hair out. So had a guy, had a football player named Xavier Woods. He's a starting safety for the Dallas Cowboys right now. And he's such a quiet, he's not like, he's not one of those chatters, uh, chirpers on the field. He's just a quiet, he does his work. He's a good kid. He got good grades. Name was, name is Xavier Woods, a phenomenal kid and a really, really great football player. So going back and I don't even remember what year this was, but I'm at Louisiana tech and, uh, I was a football contact there and, uh, some, some kid, uh, in that lived in new Orleans, his name was Asani Woods, and I'll never forget that name because it's a, a bit of an unusual first name. But uh, the story is why I won't forget about it. It's because so you know everyone puts their photos up. We got photo galleries of all these games, and there's photo galleries of Xavier Woods playing football, and they've got nameplates on the back of the jersey that just says Woods. So Asani Woods grabs, saves a couple of these photos, and puts them all over his Facebook profile, thinking trying to play up that he's a he's a college football player. Yeah. Okay, well, whatever you want, shoot your shot. Okay, not really accurate or truthful or moral, but I digress. And I knew this kid was very moral because he and a buddy of his film uh, filmed themselves uh, pistol whipping a dog and uh, uh, put it on YouTube. So it gets out. And let me say, I am the biggest animal lover you can find I have an amazing young, uh, not young, old little guy, uh, Cabela, who is a uh, uh, Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, and I love him to death, and I would do anything for him. And, uh, but I love animals, uh, as I see some birds playing in the bird bath right outside my backyard. <laughs> Anyways, I love animals. So, so they pissed they 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 filmed this video of them pistol whipping a dog, and they put it on YouTube, and of course it gets out because nothing is private on social media and they think they're big and bad. And long story short is police catch wind of it. Cause there's a uproar in new Orleans about these two people that did this and the police track them down and they arrest them. So they arrest them and there's a crime report in the newspaper and the newspapers following up on this, the newspaper, which is the times picayune, which I don't even think exists anymore. Um, got lazy. And they just found the guy on Facebook, saw the photos of Woods playing football, and ran in their story that went out nationally, Louisiana Tech football player, Pistol Whip's dog. And so now you get all these calls. I'm like, hey, can we get a comment on your football player, Pistol Whip, and a dog? I'm like, say what now? Uh, and then finally, yeah, Sonny Woods. It's like, we don't have an Asani Woods on our team. I mean – Maybe he's a random walk-on. I'll double check because we all hate those random walk-ons that coaches never tell you about. But uh, no, no Asani Woods. Double check with the walk-ons and and uh, no Asani Woods. Xavier Woods was the only Woods that played football for us. But all these people, because the Times pick didn't just double check, couldn't even call me, shoot me an email, or even Don't check our roster. online roster. Yeah, <laughs> that there's no Asani Woods, but everyone just. Because they ran with it, everyone thought that Louisiana Tech's got a football player that pistol whips dogs. And, uh, I mean, getting calls from all over because when something like that happens, the most natural inclination is to call that school's SID, apparently. I don't know why, why they're not calling the football office or the president, but they're calling me. 
and my phone is blowing up and I get on the phone with this one woman from California and she was like, I can't believe you've got a player. I said, man, it was a case of stolen identity. I just went with a stolen identity, uh, stolen identity because he's misrepresenting himself and trying to take Xavier Woods identity to be the football player. But it's a case of mistake, a stolen identity. We don't have that. We don't condone that. And she goes, I know he plays football for you. I've seen the photos. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, man. And that doesn't nice describe day. people today. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, and, and I think with a couple of people, I just finally said, well, I'll tell you what, Asani Woods will never play football at Louisiana Tech. <laughs> he was never even enrolled as a student. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, in the moment you're pulling your hair out and you're like, why are people this dumb? Um but you know, looking back That's on unreal. it, you just kind of you have to laugh because uh, you know you have to find the humor in things like that and uh, maddening, absolutely frustrating. And the moment it incredibly was frustrating. Uh, but looking back, I just keep laughing because it's amazing. People do not fact you check anything, and you survive it. You learn from it. Uh, yeah. You've got a great story to tell because of it. That's unreal. Um... Moving forward with that a little bit, uh, I, I guess, kind of transitioning. Uh, what's your uh, next time somebody is in? I guess I'm going to jump forward. Usually uh, you have more questions to this, but just next time somebody is in the uh, Little Rock area, what's your uh, restaurant or bar recommendation? Ooh. There are, there are just a ton of good places in Little Rock. Uh, well, please do not hold back because this is my favorite question of the whole yeah, entire episode. Am I ob- wait, is my Learfield guy around? Am I obligated to name all our corporate sponsors? <laughs> uh, <No. laughs> uh, you know, I really, <laughs> I really like uh, out in West Little Rock, a place called Local Lime has the best food, great margaritas, uh, good beer selection. Uh, cannot go wrong. Local Lime, tremendous. Awesome. When you're not in the office, you're at home. Uh, what are you doing to relax? Uh, you know, I, my fiance and I keep pretty busy. There's not much relaxation going on right now because we are painting our house and, uh, uh, we have gone, we have, we bought a house right before the pandemic really shut everything down which uh, let me recommend that highly to everyone because there's so much that is to be done in a new house. And if you're shut down and not working as much, wait, my boss is listening to this. Uh, I absolutely worked 40 hours a week, every single week, no matter what during this pandemic, (laughs) just going to get that out of the way. But, uh, but really if, if there's a time to buy a house when you got to do stuff to it, during a pandemic's a pretty darn good time because you're, you find yourself with some free time. And some flexibility with no sports being played. Uh, so uh, I wouldn't say that's relaxing. We do like, we really enjoy um, sports, watching sports. Can't do that right now. Watching, uh, going to the theater. We've seen, uh, my fiance and I have seen uh, Hamilton. We've seen The Lion King. We've seen Wicked. Uh, we, uh, we, we really enjoy doing, getting out and doing anything, walking, enjoy, uh, uh uh, walking trails in the Little Rock area. I'm a history buff, so uh, I've gone to the Clinton Library here in Little Rock uh, a couple times, and I think that's fascinating as they continue evolving their exhibits. I like going back. I like going to all the presidential museums. I love U.S. history. I love uh, uh, anything related to that. Um, I love seeing things I've never seen. I've been incredibly fortunate in my life, between my personal life and my job, to have visited 43 of the 50 states uh, would love to hit all 50. Uh, so if I can get mm-hmm. uh, the Little Rock Trojans to schedule the uh, uh, University of Alaska at Anchorage at any point in the near future, I will definitely encourage that. Uh, Got to hit up that Alaska. That's going to be the tough one. But uh, I, I love seeing things and doing things. I love cooking. I love serving as bartender, as many of my friends well know. I've got a, uh, a fairly <laughs> elaborate bar set up at home. Uh, which my fiance takes uh, very good advantage of because I love mixing things up and creating cocktails and creating uh, dinners and dishes. So I'll cook about half the time and uh, finding ways again, to be just to, to do something and be creative with it. 
Perfect. Um, if anybody will have any questions for you about how to mix uh, drinks or they want to follow up with you in any way, shape, or form, what's the best way to do it? Uh, try and slide in the DMs on Twitter, at Walsh underscore PT. Uh, uh, that's the best way to get a hold of me. I'm fairly active on Twitter. I am uh, a little bit – I am active, but a little bit less so on Instagram at PTW16 and on Facebook – which is obviously just my name. Uh, one thing we didn't talk to talk about, I think we really should, because anyone listening to this pod, this podcast has got to know I am probably known for one thing, and that is I wear bow ties. I, bow ties, man! I wrote that down. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about bow ties. So bow ties. I've never worn a bow tie, but you can tell me all about it. It is so easy to tie. It's literally like tying your shoes. That's just how easy it is. Okay. It took me less than 10 minutes to learn how to tie a bow tie. I started really wearing them in college uh, at South Carolina. It's a bit of a, uh, it's obviously a fashion statement. They're a little bit more trendy in the Carolinas, specifically in South Carolina and especially in Charleston, uh, Columbia and Charleston. And uh, uh, just, I love them. For some people, it's funky socks. For some people, it's whatever it may be. I I really love wearing bow ties, and so what I do actually, and this came this harkens all the way back to, gosh, I think it was 2011. Uh, I just I just packed quickly for a football trip because I was doing something else. We headed out to Fresno State and play a football game, and uh, just really didn't know what tie to wear, and so I just kind of like snapped a couple photos on my phone, threw it out there on facebook and twitter and said all right what should i wear and got a Pick ton it, yeah. got a ton of responses i said all right well this might be something so the next week i did it again got a ton of responses and uh you know at times when it's been really strong i've gotten over 100 votes on my bow tie so during uh when i work with football it was obviously once a week in basketball i'll do one one tie a week and i'll put out a vote i put out my suit my shirt dress shirt and four bow tie options and i'll put it on facebook twitter instagram and i'll ask people vote on the bow tie and i am i am legit on that i count the votes sometimes it's a pretty obvious choice sometimes it comes down to only one or two votes uh sometimes my fiance wonders why i didn't pick her her vote uh but that's not the way the poll happened poll yeah the voters have deemed it's a democracy yeah it's a democracy uh, and so, uh, but I just really enjoy bow ties. I just, I don't know what it is about them. It's just kind of, and sometimes it, they just, I think they go well with me and my persona and, uh, provide a little bit of insight into my character. So be sure to get on Twitter, vote for some, some of Patrick's bow tie options on this upcoming season here. That's I right. mean, everybody's got their thing, you know, everyone's and, got their and thing. you shouldn't be really ashamed. Yeah. I, for me, it's football helmets. Well, I got a 3d printer. Okay, Ooh. I'm super proud of this. I got in a private 3D group, private as in people don't ask me about it. I probably shouldn't have said that. But I got in this group, and uh, and the Charlotte 49ers just did their new rebrand thing. I don't know if you saw it with their new yeah. football helmets and everything. So I printed one, and I made the whole – Oh, that's neat. I screwed it together. I glued it all together, yep. And then the Chargers got one. Uh, everybody can't see this, but – you can see this at least. Yeah. So I made all the new Chargers stuff. Oh, yeah. It, everybody's got their thing. It's all, all in good fun. Yeah. Well, uh, Patrick, um, as we're bumping up against time here, uh, I appreciate you coming on. Everybody appreciates you coming on. Thanks again. Uh, we all really do appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, one thing I got to – you know, I t you talk about – I'm going to add this and you can splice it however you want to splice it. Uh, we okay. talk about having a good friend group, and I mentioned a basic group, and uh, there's a core group. And if you see me running around a Cosada convention or even on Twitter, talking to people, you've probably seen my friend group and, and I, I want to give them a shout out. Um, uh, they are, they help me make, they help me do what I do every single day and they help me become a better SID because they are so supportive and they are amazing. Uh, there's a bunch of them. I won't list all their names, but, uh, uh, be sure, uh, they're phenomenal people. And then the only other thing I say, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I, I do want to, uh, uh, I want to dedicate this podcast interview, if you'll allow me, uh, to my aunt, 
who passed away the morning of this recording. Uh, uh, she What's has, her name? I'll uh, say something in the beginning. Her name is uh, Nancy Lipset, and she leaves behind two children, age 25 and 20, uh, whose father passed away in 2013. Uh, after 27 years, he was a colonel in the U.S. Army and uh, uh, is buried at Arlington, and she will eventually be buried alongside him at Arlington National Cemetery. Uh, such a wonderful person. Uh, cancer sucks, as we all know. And uh, she beat it once, and it came back and got her again. So she's batting 500, and in the pros, that's a pretty darn good batting average. Uh, but th- this anything, this podcast episode, for me at least, uh, I do want to dedicate in, in Nancy Lipset's memory and for all the lives that she's touched and for the amazing person that she was. Well, we'll say something in the beginning. Plenty of reasons to stick around at the end of the episode, it sounds like, man. Perfect. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you.